But uh, we're going to go to the book of Matthew, the 22nd chapter. We're going to read verse 14 for our scripture reference tonight. Praise the Lord. This is what he says. For many are called, but few are chosen. For many are called, but few are chosen. Fathers, we come tonight. We thank you, praise you for the privilege to be back in your house this evening. And I ask God that you will bless this word tonight, give us the anointing, understanding spiritual revelation to hear from your word tonight and we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus name let the church say amen you can be seated praise God many are called but few are chosen I want to speak to you tonight on a subject title, Three Things God Doesn't See, and then the subtitle of it, When He Calls You Into Service. Hallelujah. Three things God doesn't see when He calls you into service. Now, we talked about this morning about getting involved and being more involved. And we're following up tonight by talking uh, in the area about when God gives us a call. Um, we all have been called by God, every one of you, every one of you. If you are a child of the King, you have a call of God on your life. Amen. The Bible said he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. And just because that you don't uh, have a uh, preaching ministry or a teaching ministry or something like that, don't ever get the idea that you don't have a call on your life. Because we all have a call of God on our life, and um, I want to talk a, a little bit about that and why Jesus said that many are called, but few chosen. Uh, when God calls someone, he equips them and qualifies them for the purpose he has ordained for their life. Amen. Uh, so, you know, don't worry about whether or not you are qualified or not. If God calls you, he's going to equip you and he's going to qualify you for whatever that he has a desire and purpose for you in your life. But not everyone called will make the final cut. Amen. Not everyone called was going to make the final cut. Many God calls will fall short of being chosen because they are hindered by notions they allow Satan to put in their minds which have no basis of fact whatsoever. 
just as soon as you make a decision that you're going to start to do something for the Lord, I guarantee you the devil's going to try to stop you. He's going to try to hinder you, slow you down. Because the devil don't want you doing anything for the Lord. He don't want you doing anything for the kingdom of God. And so 90%, 90% of the battles that we, we fight against the devil takes place right up here. Hallelujah. It takes place right here, amen, in our minds. That's where the devil will hit. And when you are called by God, amen, for something, the devil will try to hinder you, and he will try to put certain notions um, in your mind that don't have no basis of fact whatsoever. In order for you to be one up on the devil, hallelujah, how many believe it's good to be one up on the devil, amen? In order for you to be uh, one up on the devil, I want to tell you about three things tonight that God doesn't see when he calls you into his service. That, that way, when Satan tries to hinder you with them, you can say, devil, you are a liar. God can't see that. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I, I thought about Brother Richard who's gone on to his reward. Um, <laughs> I remember when he first started coming to church, amen, he would startle me occasionally at first. Because when I get to teaching or get to preaching, as some of you may recall as he slipped, uh, sat right back there, he'd just holler out with all he had, the devil's a lie. Hallelujah. It would be good for some of us to just tell the devil he's a liar. Glory to God. Don't go along with his schemes. Don't go along with his notions and all these little things that he tries to put into your mind and causes you to think because the whole purpose of it is to get you sidetracked. The whole purpose of it is to keep you stagnated and not doing anything for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And a lot of times, the devil will try to put pictures in your mind and try to say, well, you can't do nothing for God. You can't live for God. God can't use you and he'll show something. But I want to show you there are three things, sometimes three areas that the devil tries to show people that God can't see. Now, you might, you might never, never thought about it before that there are actually some things that God can't do. I'm going to tell you there's some things that God can't do. Hallelujah. I mean, just stop and think about it. Number one, God can't lie. It is totally impossible for God to lie. Stop and think about it this way. His word is so powerful, there's creation in his word. God speaks and boom, it happens, amen? So that's one reason God can't lie, because if it, if it ain't right when God speaks it, it becomes right. Hallelujah, he can't lie. So, three things that God doesn't see when he calls you into his service and you shouldn't never let the devil interfere and hinder you with these things. Number one, God doesn't see your past. God doesn't see your past. 
The devil's always trying to bring it up to us, always trying to remind you of it, but God doesn't see it. Scripture says he casts it as far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against you no more. I've seen some preacher online, uh, um, I don't know, maybe about a month or so ago, put a post that one of these days, uh, you're going to stand before the Lord, and we all are, and we're all going to watch a live stream of our whole life and everything we've ever done. And I said, that person's not telling folks true. If you've repented of your sins, the blood of Jesus Christ has taken care of that, and it will never be brought up to you again in this life or when we stand at the judgment. Hallelujah. When, when, when the Lord looks at you at the judgment, he will not see your past. All he will see is the blood of Jesus. Whoa, hallelujah. Aren't you glad, amen, that if we got the blood applied, that's the only thing that God can see? So God doesn't see your past. Let's go to Acts chapter 9 and read verses 10 through 15 to give us some example here. Now, now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said uh, in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Hear my Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarshish. For behold, he is praying. And in the vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Hallelujah. Amen. So here we find the apostle Paul before he became known as Paul. And after he had his conversion, has none of us had the kind of past that Paul had. I mean, Paul was literally guilty of murder and a bunch of other things. But he had a conversion. He come to know the Lord. And God had a call for him upon his life. And to help that in the process, God spoke to, uh, to another servant of him by the name of Ananias, and he gave him his vision and showed him, he said, I want you to go such and such, and I want you to meet this man, his name is Saul of Tarshish. And automatically, Ananias put two and two together. So says, now wait a minute, God. What, he, what was he doing? He was thinking about Saul's past. Come on. First thing that come up was the past and everything. He said, I have heard. I have heard what this man has done to people who follow you in Jerusalem. And I know he got letters 
to even bring uh, uh, bind people here and take them back. Hallelujah. Everything that Ananias was bringing up was Saul's past. But guess what? God did not see his past. He was looking at his future. He said, God told him, he said, he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. I'm here to tell you tonight, church, from the very moment God whispers in your ear to follow him and you accept that call, the only thing God sees from that time on is where you're going, not where you had been. Somebody ought to give God praise about that. When God's hand is upon you, He is not concerned about where you have been, but He's looking at where you are going. Hallelujah. Satan has got too many, too many people shackled. Listen to me now. Satan's got too many people shackled to the past in order to steal their future. Amen. That's how the devil can steal your future. The good things and the blessings that God has got in store for you to bless you is by shackling you to your past. Hallelujah. Amen. Trying to keep you held back by things in the bygone, bygone days. Hallelujah. Which do not mean nothing to God once the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life. Hallelujah. That's how the devil can steal your future. Let's go on to the second thing God don't, don't see. Number two, God doesn't see failure. Amen. That is so important. God doesn't see failure. I want to go to the book of Matthew right now. Chapter 14. And we're going to read verses 22 through 30. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when everything uh, now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke. Um, spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Wow. Peter gets a bad rap right here, but this man had to have faith. He did have to have faith. Amen. He said, Lord, if it's you, Command me to come to you on the water. So he said, talking about Jesus, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter did something that no other human being has ever done. 
No, but no man alive, no woman alive has ever walked on the water like Jesus did, but Peter did it. For a little ways, for a little bit, he was walking on the water. Now, I don't care what these modern skeptics say, but if the Bible says it, I believe it. And I believe that Peter stepped out of that boat and for a little bit he was literally walking on that water just like Jesus was doing. But it didn't stop there. Let's, let's continue and finish. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Now, how am I going to tie this in to what I said that God doesn't see failure? Listen to me close right now. Every believer who is a part of God's church is a member because he has called them out of darkness of sin into the light of the gospel. Amen? And everyone who has been called was called not to fail, but to succeed. God has never called one person to fail. Everybody God calls, and that's what we're talking about this evening, amen, we, he has called us to, amen, succeed. God never calls anyone for failure. And because of that, listen to me, God can't see failure in you. And that's another thing, another notion that the devil puts in people's mind. Oh, he puts fear. Remember, Peter got scared. And the devil will put fear of failure in your mind to keep you from doing anything for God. Hallelujah. But God does not see failure in relation to you and his relationship. God does not see you failing. He does not see you becoming a failure. The only thing God sees is you succeeding. Hallelujah. So God can't see failure in you or what he's called you to do. Now, here's, here's what, what it boils down to. When Peter stepped out of the boat after Christ told him to come, you know, remember now, Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, you command me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. How many believes that Jesus loves everybody? Do you believe he loves you? Do you believe he cares for you? Let me ask you a question. If Jesus had saw Peter not being able to do it, do you think he would have commanded him to come? Think about it. If Jesus had any kind of foresight of Peter not being able to do it, Brother Douglas, he would have never commanded him to get out of the boat. And my point is this. 
God will never appoint you or ordain you or set you to do something that's impossible for you to do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's why we can say I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. If God commands me to do something, I should not trust him, amen, and not doubt and just start walking. Hallelujah. When Moses and the children of Israel, amen, were trapped at the Red Sea, it was Moses that stopped everybody, amen, and they was wondering what, amen, and they began to call out to God. You know what? Go back and read it again. God says, he said, what are you talking to me for? Why are you co- Go forward. Hallelujah. Why are you standing there talking? Just start going forward. God is not going to tell you to do anything that's impossible for you to do. People use all kind of stuff today. Oh, you can't live right. You can't do this. You can't do that. Like the song that Sister Kathy sings that now some Sister Kathy, maybe you got to have the want to. If you don't have the want to, you're not going to do anything. But if you got the want to, you can do anything with the Lord who gives you strength. So when Peter stepped out of the boat after Christ told him, Jesus never saw Peter sinking. Amen. He did not see Peter sinking. If, if the Lord had saw Peter sinking, he wouldn't have commanded him to get out of the boat. It was Peter, listen to me now, it was Peter who saw Peter sinking. That's where the problem came in. He stepped out of the boat, and he was coming to the Lord. And then he took his eyes off Jesus. He saw the wind blowing. About that time, here come a wave right in front of his nose. Amen, and a cart made him, gave him a little nibble as it in the water as it went by. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That got his attention, got his eyes off the Lord, and Peter saw himself sinking. And guess what happened? That's what he did. He started going down. When you start seeing things, my Lord, when you start seeing things in the negative all the time, the negative is going to happen to you all the time. When you start seeing the blessings of God and the power of God, your life is going to be transformed. It's going to be changed. It don't matter what's going on everywhere else. People get all bit out of shape when people start getting laid off and, and prices going up and wages are going down. Hallelujah. But... Uh, that don't matter to the child of God. I go back to the Old Testament. I find for the men of God back there. In the same year where everybody else was experiencing famine, in that same year, the men of God was reaping 100-fold. In a famine. In a famine. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, church, God does not see failure when he looks at you. God did not see Peter sinking. It was Peter who saw himself sinking, and so he went down. If you can look through your spiritual eye, 
and trust God, and you can see every day of your life, I'm living Monday morning from sunup to sundown. I'm living in victory. I'm going to be an overcomer. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what's going to happen. Glory to God, because God is going to move on that. He's going to work on that. Amen, because you are trusting him. Glory to God. So when you're called to God, he don't see failure. Third and final thing of the message, and this is just as important as the other two, God doesn't see limitations. Take some time for that one to soak in. You know, the devil will always put notions in your mind. Well, I got, I got limited resources. I got limited this. I mean, I can't do this because of that or whatever. But when God is leading you and directing you, God does not see limitations. The only limitations that you have is right here in your own mind and in your own thoughts. That's the only limitations that you got. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 4. And here's a good example. Now, we, we, we talk about Moses and him being a mighty man of God, and he was. And he accomplished a lot of great things. But you know what? If it was left up to Moses, he would have wimped out. Come on. If it was left up to Moses, he would have wimped out. Because in Moses' mind, he had too many limitations for God to use him. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10 through 12. Let's see what it says about that. Hallelujah. <coughs> then Moses said to the Lord. Now, this is why after Mo God had spoke to Moses and told him, oh, I want you to go down to Egypt. And lead my people out. Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither, uh, neither before nor since. Um, you have spoken your servant, but I am, I am a slow speech and of slow tongue. My mind. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? <laughs> Who makes the mute, the deaf, the sin, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord, my Lord? Hallelujah. Think about that. Here was God trying to use Moses in a way that no man had ever been used before, and he tried to wimp out. Because all he could see was his limitations. All he could see was his weaknesses. Lord, I'm, I'm not eloquent in speech. You want me to go down and talk to Pharaoh? Man, I, I've got a stuttering problem a mile long. I can't, I can't speak. I guarantee you he, could, he didn't have no more troubles talking. But that problem is I'm having talking with these teeth in my mouth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory. But this is what he tried to use because he saw 
I can't possibly do what God is calling me to do because I've got these limitations. I've, I've got these, these issues. I'm going to tell you something. God will take the issues in your life and he will use it to glorify his name. Hallelujah. God does not see limitations. Can somebody say amen? God does not see what kind of limitations you got. Everybody in this house, everybody who is watching tonight by means of the Internet, hallelujah, the limitations that you got the notion of that the devil tries to put in your mind that you cannot do something for God, all it is is a lie from the devil. Because when God desires you to do something, if you are willing to work for him, he gives you the authority. He gives you the power. He gives you the ability. Can somebody say amen? The human mind has many times, now stop and think about this, and I'm winding down to close, <coughs> but the human mind has many times been stretched beyond current limits by those who dared to dream the impossible. Look at all look at these lights we got in here, these light bulbs. It's hard for us in this day and age to to imagine there was a time that that would be an impossible. But there was a time and really not that long ago that um, uh, that somebody dared to stretch their mind and their thoughts to achieve something that others said was impossible. When I was reading, studying about Edison and his, and his thing, uh, he went through about inventing the light bulb. There was, what, I can't remember the exact number now, but I know it was well over a thousand, uh, maybe more experiments made, failure after failure, and somebody asked him about all of that, but he never let it get him down. He kept stretching. He kept working. He believed there's a way that he could do it, and he said, listen, I just found out there was a thousand something ways not to invent a light bulb. Amen. <coughs> that is the idea. Think about, I, I pulled open a drawer in uh, one of the tables by our bed, uh, last night, and I was looking for something, I was digging through, and uh, I found a little cassette, uh, cassette, and I thought, Lord, do you know there are kids today, if I was to show them that, they wouldn't know what it was. They, would, they wouldn't know what that was, and hey, and I'm, I, I've still got the eight track in my mind. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, they got all this other stuff. Think about the things that we are experiencing today that at one time was impossible. But because people had the gumption to stretch their minds beyond the current limits by those who dared to dream the impossible. I remember where I was at, what I was doing when Neil Armstrong first stepped on the moon. 
I was in the midst of the very first tent revival that I ever preached with my dad. And we had service that night, and we were headed home. We stopped the little Dairy, Dairy Queen thing, went inside, and they had the TV on, and they was watching it. And while I was waiting for that order, I seen him come down that ladder, and he took that step. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. That will always be in my memory. Think about the men and women who stretched themselves beyond belief, making the impossible possible to do that. <laughs> now, there's a lot of people in my dad's generation went to the grave, never really believing they even went to the moon. You know, they said, oh, man, they just set that up. They, they, they played everybody because their mind was still back in another day, in another era, to where they couldn't believe what they were seeing. Hallelujah. Stop and think about the things we used to see on, uh, there's, there's things that they used to show on Star Trek that was just made up in somebody's imagination, but it's real today. Amen. Well, I said all of that to say this. If ordinary man can achieve today what seemed to be impossible yesterday, why can't the church dream the impossible for Jesus in order to win the lost world for him. When is the church, when is God's people are going to start stretching not their minds but their faith? Hallelujah. And start dreaming God-sized dreams. What's a God-sized dream, Brother Sammy? A God-sized dream that something can't happen unless God does it. But you trust in him. Hallelujah. So, God, God doesn't see limitations. Don't try to put limitations in front of the mind of God when he's directing you to do something because when he's called you, he don't see your past, he doesn't see you failing, and he don't see limitations. Just accept what God said, and there's no, no, no telling where you can go to. Stand to your feet.